morning, everyone. We are here to talk about how the very first presidential debate for the 2024 election went last night, the hottest quotes from the candidates as they went through the debate. Um, but here to join me this morning to analyze this from a social conservative perspective and what really shown for social conservatives and areas that we might want to be aware of or watch for as, as the election goes forward, I've got with me our president and CEO at Family Policy Alliance, Craig DeRoche. And then I've got Jason McGuire. He's the president of uh, our, our state ally in New York. Uh, hopefully you all know that we've got 40 state allies, state family policy councils representing your values in 40 states across the nation, hopefully 50 one day. So help us get there. Um, but it, please take a moment, put where you're from in the chat so we can see. Um, and I know that our, our folks who are supporting online will show you where the state family policy councils are so you can connect with them. But if you live in New York, please connect with Jason and his group. We are so honored to work with them. Um, and I'm Autumn Leva. I'm the Senior Vice President of Strategy with Family Policy Alliance. And we're here today to talk about this debate. So let's get started. Craig, uh, I'm going to kick it over to you first to talk about why does it matter for social conservatives or why do they even matter at all in the upcoming election? What, what's going on there and why should the candidates pay attention to folks like us? Okay, here's the trick with social conservatives. They're different than everybody else. Um, a lot of people pick their tribes in America and they stay there, come thick or thin. I'm a Republican, I'm a... Listen, I get that. I have been rooting for the Detroit Lions. I'm 52 years old since I was born. They don't win. <laughs> There's not a basis for that. Uh, um, but when you get to social conservatives, it's different. They will switch parties. They will switch allegiances based on the values of the person on that stage. The, the things that that person does when they're in elective office. I think there was a lot of movement last night. Um, Autumn, I think it was a really important debate for the future of our country and the Republican Party because people were saying things that have been said in our country before. Hey, I don't think slavery is a federal issue. I think it's a state issue. Um, our founders said they thought every human being should be treated equally. We still haven't been able to figure out how to do that in America. I think that's important. You know, that, that, that some people said that versus people saying, hey, I think the federal government has a different role than you think. It's to protect everybody, not to give everybody free money. You know, I, I know there were some shots taken about that. So I think it was a good night for social conservatives to tune in. That's my take. Well, and I think like we've said, and Craig, I've heard you say often that social conservatives now are one of the largest and growing voting blocks in the entire country at 40%. And so to win this election... Uh, these candidates are going to have to cater to and play to the social conservatives. They can't ignore those issues, as I think sometimes has happened before. But interestingly, we didn't see that happen last night in a lot of cases. Issues that never would have been talked about before definitely were brought up front and center. I think my favorite line of the night came from uh, Senator Tim Scott in his closing remarks where he said, and if God made you a man, then you compete in sports against other men. I thought that was great. No one would have touched the gender issue back in the 2020 election. Even in the 2022 election, candidates weren't ready to talk about it. But I think that that's because of all of you viewers, social conservatives, pushing that issue to the top, pushing back, saying, no, this isn't fair. This isn't right. Girls deserve a pl fair playing field and the ability to fairly compete against other girls. Um, Jason, what was your take on how the girls sports issue became such a dominant issue among the candidates? Well, I think you've nailed it. You know, just to, to come out with that perspective, to have what seemed like at times various candidates 
almost tripping over themselves wanting to talk about that issue and the impact of it uh, indicates the sea change that has occurred on that issue. And I'll just say tip of the hat to Family Policy Alliance and all of the state allies that have been working hard on this issue because it demonstrates that the effort is making a difference. We now have presidential candidates that are leading with that issue. They are bringing it up. They're not waiting for a prompt from a moderator in a conversation or a question at a town hall. They're actually leading with that statement. I think that demonstrates that a, that a tremendous change has been occurring on this and other social issues. I think that's exactly right, Jason. And I think, you know, one issue that I would have loved to see come up is that of minors being gender gender transitioned by the woke ideology of the left. That didn't come up, but we know that the candidates so far that are polling highest, and that would be former President Trump and then Governor Ron DeSantis, they've both made that a top issue already in their campaigns. And like you said, Jason, it was without any prompting whatsoever, but they both have made clear that as president, they would not stand for kids being pushed to, to transition, to change their bodies, um, mutilate themselves, sterilize themselves. And so these, you're right, these issues are coming front and center. And I think social conservatives, all of you watching, you should be really encouraged by that. That's a good sign for our country. Um, of course, abortion came up as well. Um, that's an issue near and dear to our heart, the value of human life. And the moderators, unfortunately, described it as this major, major controversial issue. That's how they framed it. How do, how do you think the candidates handled that question? Um, Craig, maybe I'll kick it to you first to talk about how they handled abortion and where everybody came down on that issue. Listen, I've been involved with that issue for a long time. I was a public office holder. I've seen, you know, the iterations of the Republican Party uh, go through this. What we really need is people that actually believe that human beings are human beings. We, we need somebody that, that really starts and stops there. And I, I think that's easiest for Tim Scott to say, hey, we're talking about a human being, right? Well, then you treat them like a human being. It shouldn't be that hard uh, to get tangled up in narratives and, <laughs> and gotchas and all the rest of it. He seems to be the most grounded there. And it's maybe because um, he has been treated, you know, uh, growing up. And, and condescended to and, and uh, given the least amount of uh, opportunity in our country. And, and so he has uh, the most humility um, in that every life counts and it's easier for him to say. But I would encourage others to um, start making their positions clearer. And, you know, we, we ought to understand that, the dip, you know, everybody that commits a crime should go to prison. Well, for how long and under what circuit? It gets really complicated. You could start by saying everybody that commits a crime should be held accountable. Well, every person that is alive, which means they've had this seed of light, the quickening uh, of the cell division begins, is a human being. They're protected by our Constitution. I'd perform more people just start saying that. Uh, because I agree with you, Autumn. It shouldn't be, we shouldn't be taking the bait that this is controversial at all. Like, this is self-evident. That's right. It, it is a moral issue. Jason, yes, please, please jump in. But I did want to comment just on one thing Craig said. I think you're right that Senator Scott, he was the only one to mention constitutional protections for life, the right to life, which, of course, where we all believe is, is right and true, that every human being, regardless of their status inside or outside the womb, deserves the constitutional right to life. Jason, what was your take? Well, I think the most disappointing moment for me was actually from uh, Doug Burgum, you know, and, and uh, a governor here trying to get in here and into the fray. And when he came out with a statement, it really drew a contrast between um, his work at the state level as a pro-life governor, but then at the same time acting like there was no role in the, in the federal government on this issue. 
And I just don't think that's the kind of thing that um, social conservatives are looking for and somebody they're going to vote for in a primary is they're looking for someone who's going to lead on this issue. Ambassador Nikki Haley, I think, demonstrated her skills and her background as a diplomat and as an ambassador when she said that she was looking for consensus on this issue. Um, the problem is, you know, social conservatives are, are not looking necessarily for consensus. We want to get something done. But we also are looking for a candidate who wants to lead in this issue and unashamedly is going to be pro-life. It actually was probably Mike Pence's strongest moment when he came out and he challenged that. And he said consensus is not leadership. Uh, and I think there was a contrast there between the diplomat, the ambassador, and someone who's prepared to be an executive is they have to be willing to use the bully pulpit to advance these ideas until you have reached consensus. And I'm not sure that we saw that from all of the candidates, but I'm pleased in those that took a strong stand. Jason, I love what you said, Jason, um, because, you know, that's true. I, I hope everybody learned from uh, Mike Pence's intervention there uh, that you, you, you think something's a throwaway flippant statement right now that's going to help you this month, you know, in, in, in uh, your ambitions to win a Republican primary. Um, you are permanently changing the narrative on whether or not you care about life, you know, and, and, and you're giving other people a pass to allow the extermination of millions of people for decades to come in the future. And so, yeah, I was very grateful that uh, Mike Pence was quick to remind, even if he knows or, or other people believe that he can't be the nominee or can't be the president, I was very grateful he was on the stage to say, if you want to hold this job, even the vice presidency that I held, you better, you better recognize that this is a real job. It involves real governing and, and it takes competent people that are the strongest leader in the room, not just the one, the one in the popularity contest to actually uh, um, lead the other people in the line when they're saying it just would be easier to kill these babies. It would just be easier to let these human lives go. What about the poor people that they're targeting in the cities? Can't we just let them kill those kids? Um, that's what's going on right now. It's literally um, <laughs> demonic forces trying to pull people into the fire. It, and uh, yeah, we need, I was glad he's on the stage to remind everybody else, you better up your game if you expect people to vote for you for president. I agree completely. And Jason, I'm glad you said that. I thought that Governor Burgum was was weakest on that issue as well. And Pence, uh, Vice President Pence, he had the greatest moral clarity for sure. Um, but I thought, I thought Governor DeSantis had a great moment too, where he was sort of best at contrasting the the position that we all take on the pro-life side where we support women we support them as they go to to parent or to place with place their children for adoption if they are not able to parent um, and and surrounding them with support that pro-life position versus the extreme position of the left where they believe that um, abortion even up till the moment and in some cases uh, even in your state I know that's been talked about Jason even after birth and how extreme that is. And I think that the re reason that it, this issue has even become controversial is because we've allowed the left to define us as the extremists when their position is clearly the most, the most extreme by far of taking human life up to the moment of birth and after. Um, that's, that's not where the rest of the country is at. We know that. Um, and so you're right. The, the future president needs to lead in that direction. We have the majority of the country with us on that issue and how that's not that extremism is not where the country's at. Um, how do you all how do you all respond to that? Well, you know, when I look at Governor Ron DeSantis, I thought he was really learning and growing in how he approaches this issue. 
um, in the sense that he talked about his daughter's sonogram as being an impactful moment, the, one of the most impactful moments of his life, hearing that heartbeat. And then later on in this uh, same issue discussion, he, he gave personal stories and he connected with people, people he knew, people he had met. Uh, he mentioned uh, this woman, Penny, for example, um, who had uh, survived multiple uh, uh, well attempts of abortion, is my understanding. I'd like to have heard more of those stories, but it demonstrates how the governor is learning to talk about these issues to a wider audience by personalizing them. And that really matters, is to tell these stories so people can connect life um, it, it, with individual lives. Yeah, I think uh, I think that Governor DeSantis, people are, are beating him up. They think that he didn't uh, do a good job, you know, or, or they didn't, quote unquote, win the debate. Um, I think they're going to be surprised. I, I think that um, the whole trick was uh, um, for everybody in the media, you know, the, the, the CNN, you know, all the other people to, you know, try to build this wall around the Republican conversation so re Republicans can't talk amongst themselves. You know, that's, and everybody knows that, it, you know, I, I voted for Trump twice. I, I love Donald Trump. I got a picture of him right back there. You know, like when I was in the Oval Office and stuff like that. Um, but the media does not want him to have to converse with other Republicans. And they don't want the Republicans to converse with each other to sort out what we want our platform to be for the next four years. They want to tell us what our platform should be. Um, and that's what establishment media types do, you know. And and, and I thought Ron DeSantis, um, I, I, I think he, he did what you traditionally see the winners of primaries do, like what what George W. Bush did going into the 2000 election, what um, you saw Barack Obama do by, by February of, of uh, uh, his primary season in 2007 and uh, 2008, what Bill Clinton was, was able to do and others once they got the traction from being the, you know, the 3% candidate once they became the, uh, the others. And uh, so I, I didn't, um, I, I thought he did himself some good, but I was very grateful for the fireworks from, for, from the other people because that's the problem is we've gone through a few years of Republicans not having to answer the hard questions on social conservative issues. And um, this sorted some people out like right in front of us. And I thought DeSantis and Scott and, and uh, uh, Pence, you know, you'd, you'd say, wow, you know, it's exactly what I expected. They're, they're, they're right there with me. I think Nikki Haley surprised some people on a couple of her answers uh, um, where it wasn't as social conservative, maybe as people thought she was. Uh, um, like you, you pointed out, and and for others like Asa Hutchinson and uh, Bergram, I, I just think the party. Um, I think what people are going to find is that um, of the three people, used to think you could write off the social conservatives and be a big fiscal and defense guy, and and in a primary maybe you could, you know, in America. But I, I just think now when when you have two or three of these cans get up there and say I'm not a social conservative and I'm not going to do anything social conservative. I, I highly doubt any of them will be on the stage in the future because that is not the Republican Party of, of today. That's right, Craig. Um, well, I want to cover two, two more issues before we wrap up with our cons social conservative analysis today. And one of those, I see our viewers, there's a, some hot topics in the chat about that. Um, but I want to talk about as the moderators described it, the elephant uh, not in the room, the absence of President Donald Trump and how that affected the debate. Um, Jason, how do you think that affected the debate? Well, it, you know, I think I, I tweeted something even before the debate about this. And, you know, it was just along the lines that um, 
it may be politically helpful for former President Donald Trump to have not participated in the debate. He he has apparently the lead in some of these polls. He doesn't want to blow that, doesn't have a trip up in the debate. So he, he may have saw that as a win for himself. My concern, though, is that this is our process. And a lot of what we're talking about today, I want you know, Donald Trump to be a part of that discussion. I want to hear him in the mix. I want to hear where he currently stands on these issues, where he's going to lead should he win another term. And that was absent. I just didn't have the voice there that I wanted to hear. So that that was a great concern to me. The other thing with the absence of, um, you know, President Donald Trump from being in this debate was, does this now allow an out for a President Joe Biden to not debate in the future? I think we are making a, a, a dangerous trend if we begin to say that the debates don't matter in the process. They absolutely do. And uh, we need to hear these voices and be able to ask the questions and hear where these candidates stand on the issues. There's a reason why we have a primary process and not a coronation in America. And I expect the candidates to show up and actually debate these issues. Yeah, that's what this, this whole thing is on in me is um, regardless of how people behave and how their, their uh, supporters um, support them. The truth is there, um, people look at the president as a servant. We don't serve the president. The president serves us. Um, and, and the things that people like most about Donald Trump is the three uh, Supreme Court judges he did for us. We've been waiting 50 years in service to us. And um, uh, I, I think that the last uh, Republican uh, nomination process without a platform uh, we hear these different things from different parts of, of, of the Republican Party about saying, well, there's no, you know, we're not going to enforce the 14th Amendment. You know, some lives aren't worth saving and things like that. Um, it will get worse if we don't have a process like Jason's talking about. It will get worse if we don't have a platform that holds our elected officials accountable. Autumn, one of the comments uh, from Cynthia um, who's watching, thank you, Cynthia, uh, to the show. She makes a really good point. She, you know, I don't want to read too much into it, but it, saying that um, candidates, when they get in office, they don't do what they said they're going to do. And and that's why these debates are so important. It gives us a sense of who's more genuine, more authentic. Just for me, you know, I'm just telling you what I believe it is. It's hard like when you have your consultants put a TV ad out. You have no idea what the person actually believes. Um, I think the debates are important because you get a hint of it. And, and the, we go further at we would never do this with the president. Uh, but we do get called in by presidents to brief them and, and provide um, uh, um, analysis and research. Um, and and we, we're happy to do that, Family Policy Alliance. But they, they, need to, um, they, they need to respect that they serve the other folks and they have to uh, say what they're going to do in service to folks who want to be president. And if the Republican Party makes the mistake of, of saying it's a personality, um, not a platform, um, that, that could set the party back for 10 or 20 years. Your experience doesn't have to stop here. To stay connected with other listeners, hear about current events affecting your family, and to share pictures and videos with your friends, follow Family Policy Alliance on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Check out the links in the show notes, and we'll see you online. Well said, Craig and Jason. I, I felt similarly. It would have been wonderful to hear where President Trump stands, especially on the issue of abortion, where you've got Senator Scott saying there's constitutional 
uh, protections for life and Governor Burgum saying there's no federal role in the protection of life. It would have been great to hear where he stood on those issues and so many others, of course. So I think that was was a, a loss and an absence there. Um, but I want to hit on one more issue that definitely came up strongly in the debate. And I think it came up well, especially for social conservatives, because I heard a lot of great, great lines from almost all the candidates on this issue. And that was the issue of education, which, of course, matters to every single family, uh, parents, grandparents. It's one near and dear to our heart. I think we had Governor DeSantis right out of the gate talking about getting uh, education and not indoctrination, getting the woke ideology out of schools, and then the candidates kind of followed from there. Um, so there were some great moments. Jason, what was your favorite moment from the education discussion? Well, I think you alluded to it when you talked about Governor Ron DeSantis referring to education, not indoctrination. Uh, that was a key statement. I think you saw Vivek Ramaswamy, who understood uh, the importance of the family and put that central in the discussion around education and governance. Uh, that was a really powerful moment to hear uh, those you know, folks talking about the issue of education and school choice from that perspective. You know, I know that even here in New York, school choice is becoming a uh, more a part of the conversation here. We have powerful teacher unions that are that are causing some uh, uh, issues here that that issue is not as advancing as well as we would like. But it's on the minds of many voters. And it's on the minds of parents. And to now again have presidential candidates freely speaking about the issue of school choice and education uh, is an issue that matters. Well, that ought to be an encouragement to social conservatives to keep pushing. We are winning on that and that issue and then in this debate. Yeah, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with um, Jason on this too. With the education, was probably the most refreshing because uh, historically the Republicans are most likely to um, take the institutional approach. The government uh, education, the monopoly, is the way to go. Usually, it's about half or more of the candidates run for president or uh, governor because they get support from teachers' unions and other things in their campaigns. It's really refreshing to hear. Um, a consensus forming. And maybe that's because for social conservative issues, as I said, they penetrate deeper and easier and bigger uh, um, than, um, say, fiscal issues or, or other issues. And that's why 48% you know, of Democrats I saw in a poll agree with uh, the Family Policy Alliance's position on, say, real sports. And, and Robert F. Kennedy Jr. over there is talking about that. So um, I, I think that um, those those were my favorites to, to hear how education and protecting children from sexualization have become mainstream. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, as, as weird as that is a sound, protecting kids from being sexualized and sexual harm is becoming acceptable in America. Isn't it a, a hard thing to say? But at least we're we're you got to start somewhere. Uh, um, and and uh, at least in the Republican Party. Um, once a child has been born, I'm being snarky now to the folks that don't believe there's a federal role for protecting life. Uh, um, once they're born, you're at least willing to start defending kids then and, 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 um, and sticking up for their parents. At least there's a consensus forming the Republican Party now because th that wasn't there five or six years ago. You know, and Craig, you're always um, you've been involved in Republican politics in the past and you know, a lot of history there. But when I think about this issue, they're always saying, how do you win in urban areas? How do you, you know, Republicans maybe struggle to win the cities, those types of things. But think of the issues we're talking about. I mean, education, school choice, protecting our kids. I mean, those are how you win those areas because those moms and those dads, they care about their kids. They're engaged on this. So if you're just looking at it from a strictly raw political level, push into those issues. 
we also happen to know that it's the morally correct position. And so we win in both counts. Amen. And, and uh, the devil's having his day in America. Remember this because the church is divided. I'm talking about the capital C church. I think it's fine that we have different local churches that have our own traditions and our own musical tastes and stuff like that and how we worship. But the devil has been having his day for the last 50 years because the black, the brown, the Asian, the white, the, the Protestant, the Catholic, you know, that one body, one spirit, you know, one, one, one way, one Lord, one savior, one sacrifice um, that saved us is, is um, been divided. And um, I do think around social conservative issues, Jason, you have your finger on it. It's, New York's a great microcosm of that. Uh, um, the the, the uh, congressional seats they didn't see changing are changing with Hispanic and African-American voters. And it's the church, the, the recall election of this uh, San Francisco school board members, which we had nothing to do with, by the way, in, in, at Family Policy Alliance, not claiming that. But it was a local small seat churches, Asian churches, that said enough. And, and not only did they win, they won 75% to 25%. And it isn't just Christianity, like people say. It, it, it's the uh, Islamic uh, uh, families in Virginia and in Michigan and in other places and, and um, uh, traditional um, conservative Jewish families in Michigan and many other states uh, that are doing this. So there, there is a big change, probably bigger than the NAFTA style 2016 change that's coming in America and I think it's going to be remarkable what um, the media see. They're not going to see this coming. That uh, how how is it that the you know this diverse of a coalition actually is the future of um, Republicans? It's because of social conservatism, not these other issues like fiscal conservatism. Well, I think I think you all are exactly right. I think that uh, the party that champions parents and the party that champions education. That's the party that's going to carry the day because that's what people care about. You said that you both said that very, very well. Um, and I think you're right. Social conservatives should be encouraged by what they saw last night, especially in the issue of education and families. I think a really good high point was actually when Vivek Ramaswamy said that the nuclear family is the best form of government that we have and that the best place for a child is in a home with a married mom and dad who care about that child's education. That was so strong. Um, and it's, it's exactly what we all stand for and what we're all working for as social conservatives. Um, so I think we should all be encouraged from last night for sure. Um, but I've been, Craig and Jason, I've been asking you all all the questions. I'm actually going to shift for a second and ask our viewers a question. We've got a link. Our team's put up a link in the comments for you. For if the debate last night actually changed your mind um, on who you would vote for for president at this stage in the election. So did you go into it with a with a certain person in mind and then leave with a different person in mind? Share your thoughts there because that's your question uh, following the debate. Um, but I think I want to end out with what should social conservatives be watching for as the race unfolds? Obviously, Jason Cray, back to you both now. Um, it's very early on in the in the election cycle. We've got a long road to go between now and November 2024. A lot can change. But what should we as social conservatives be watching for as this process plays out? Jason, you want to take that first? Yeah, I think I'm looking for conviction and steadfastness. And, and I would encourage social conservatives to do that. Look for the candidate who has conviction and steadfastness. Uh, there's tremendous pressure uh, when you are president of the United States. People tend to think of this as a role that um, elected officials, you know, they have the answers or they know what to do or they just move in a certain direction. Uh, they're oftentimes moved by forces around them. 
And so you need to find a candidate who will, who will have the, the conviction to stand up and say, this is what is right. This is true. This is the position I'm taking. Um, and I, I think we, we obviously look at that from a socially conservative perspective. We want to defend life and parental rights and religious liberty. Uh, those are conversations that certainly are going to come up again as we're hearing more and more conversation around the country about even COVID and some of the things that have happened during the recent pandemic and maybe some new surges of it. Those are going to be topics of conversation that social conservatives are going to have to pay close attention to and say, who do I trust to have the, the, the strength of their convictions to stand against all the other forces that are fighting against them? You know, you, you've inspired me with what you just said, Jason, because I go back to a COVID conversation I had with somebody who I love very dearly and, and um, generally votes left of center and doesn't really just our values, our, our worldview doesn't sink in, right? And um, when COVID had shut down the schools, uh, called me and said, um, did I think they would get in trouble because they were all going to throw in, they got some families together to throw in $5,000 each to hire a teacher who was laid off from work to teach their kids in someone's house. And I explained to them the entire movement of, of what we've been trying to do for 30 years was what they were trying. And they said, I had no idea. I thought you were trying to hurt kids and, and destroy schools. I didn't realize you were trying to help parents, right? So I, I, I think, you know, the, the inspiration for social conservatives is this. Um, there are a lot more of us than there are of them. Um, a lot of what the evil one and, and, and this world has done is keep us apart from each other with, with other artificial lines of, of how we look, what our color is, what, what our background is, how much money we earn. But the truth of the matter is we share values and, it, and, and the values from our heart. And, and there's a lot more of us uh, that have come together. There's a lot more Christians that have come to Christ. And, and um, the media makes fun of us, too. You know, they say, well, we think we're better than other people. Well, actually, the truth is most Christians like me came to Christ because we were going to die uh, uh, if we didn't, because our, our humanness in this world was taking us away from what was good. So the Christian church, as well as the others, is just this wellspring of energy and solutions coming in, not from condescension, but from the brokenness that didn't work in our country and we had better solutions and those are coming up like they have historically from the local communities, like we saw in Virginia and in, in, in with the pushback of the parents in Loudoun County lead to the state, lead to the national conversation. And so I have just nothing but hope. And I would say it's a big blue ocean for social conservatives because we're making the impact in the Republican Party last night as we're just celebrating and talking about and mention the impact in the Democratic Party that RFK Jr. and others are having. And I do want to say, too, with what Jason just said, the durability of the mistakes that they made and really showing their true colors on COVID. With, this is about control of your life. It's about control of your kids. And, and it's about where the federal government is the boss, not the people above the federal government. Um, they overstepped. And now as we <laughs> have COVID coming back in this fall, it's a real opportunity for these uh, candidates that, that want to be considered social conservatives that get clearer as Jason just said, if you're going to hedge to me, if you have 17 different positions on when you kill a person in a doctor's office and have the federal government pay for it, I'm probably not going to trust you um, through the process because you're not clear. You're not convicted, as Jason said. But somebody that can say, well, that's a person. I treat him the same as I would any other person at any other point in their life. That's clear. The same with a student. Why should one student get an advantage over another uh, based on where they live? I think it'll get tighter. I think it'll get clearer. And I think it will cross over from the Republican Party 
into the independents and, and Democrats if we do this right. And that's when the movement starts working again. That's where we start gaining the ground that we were able to do uh, in the past as conservatives. I love that, Craig and Jason, both watching for clarity and consistency among the candidates. I think that's that's very wise. And Craig, you always end on such encouraging, encouraging notes. So I think with that, I want to thank our viewers for sticking with us, for hashing out the social conservative perspective from the debate last night. Uh, but the fun doesn't have to end here, folks. We have a social conservative news aggregator site where you can check out the hottest social conservative news of the day. It's SoconReport.com. We'll definitely feature the news as this debate continues to unfold and where the candidates stand on issues and whether or not they remain consi consistent and clear um, or as their positions change. Um, so please check that out. It's SoConReport.com. We'd love to see you there. If you've got a story or, or something you'd like to share, there's a submit a story button as well. If you think there's a, a big breaking piece of social conservative news that needs to be featured. So please check us out there. It's where this discussion can continue every single day for the rest of the year and into the next year as we head towards the election. Um, and I, final reminder to last question to you all is, did your opinion change after watching the debate last night on who you'd support for president in 2024? That link is in the comments. We'd love to hear from you on that as well. Um, so thank you so much for being with us today. Craig, thank you. Jason, thank you. We're praying for you in your state of New York. Please remember to connect with Jason McGuire and his group. Um, the link for that is in the comments as well. God bless you all and have a wonderful day. Brought to you by Family Policy Alliance. Our vision is a nation where God is honored, religious freedom flourishes, families thrive, and life is cherished.